Raiders Point, how we doing? So good to be with you, everyone at the campuses, watching online, welcome. Uh, and this week we're continuing in our series, Masterclass, Masterclass. This is a fascinating concept that has exploded over the past few years. And here's the big idea. You get the best of the best to teach in their respected discipline. And what we've been doing in this series is to say that actually Jesus taught the original masterclass in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we've been working our way through these teachings. And can we just celebrate all that God has been doing? So good. And we're going to continue uh, through this teaching. Today, we're actually going to move into Matthew chapter 7. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and flip there. Uh, if not, don't worry, everything will be on this handy dandy screen next to me. Uh, but before we get there, I want to throw out the question that we're going to be looking at today. This is what Jesus is going to be teaching on. Is there ever a time to judge? Huh? Let's just start with a softball. Where do we judge others the most? Oh, we don't. We don't. Okay, just me. I'm going to say I think judgment happens the most, the worst forms of it when we're driving, right? The person in front of you, all they have to do is drift three inches to the left. And based on that one infraction, I know everything I need to know about you. <laughs> you are the worst human that has ever lived. And I'm telling you, one of the most disrespectful noises, a real sound of judgment is a horn. I would rather be cussed out than that you lay the horn on me. This was a problem between me and you, and now you've involved everyone else in our situation. <laughs> But I think in our culture today, that question, is there ever a time to judge, kind of gets played out on two extremes, right? I'd say on one side, you have what we would say is relativism. That's no room for truth. Here's the idea is there's no absolute truth. What's good for you is good for you, so you do you, and I'll do me. Now, I remember when I was probably 18 or 19 years old, I was hanging out with a buddy of mine, and he told me that... Uh, he had tried cocaine for the first time. And I remember sitting up and, you know, thinking we were going to have a conversation about it. But it was a quick one-two punch. He said, hey, I tried cocaine. Don't judge me. It was off limits. There was no room for truth. And I'd say on the other side, we would have legalism. And on this side, we would say we can't judge because, I mean, there's no, or we do judge because there's no room for grace. The standard is perfection. And maybe this is what you experience. This is why a lot of people either leave the church or never go completely in because what you experienced was legalism. It was this idea, either be perfect, show up perfect, or don't show up at all. And the weight of perfection, the weight of judgment laid so heavy on you. You got to this place, you're like, I don't want it. But there's this line um, from our lead pastor, Aaron. And this is from like 2015. And I think his words kind of handle this perfectly. Because what if there's a better way? And he said, give me truth without grace and I can't hear you. Give me grace without truth and it won't change me. That's where we want to live. 
We wanna live in that tension of grace and truth. The art of loving people is found there. And what we wanna say today is that there's room for both. There's room for grace and there's room for truth as we follow Jesus. So hopefully I gave you enough time to get there. Matthew chapter seven, verse one. Let's see what Jesus says. He says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And some of us read those first four words and we're like, I've heard enough. Do not judge others. Don't judge me. Keep your opinions to yourself. I don't want to hear it. But is it, is it that clear? I think what we have to do, though, before we decide what this says, is decide what Jesus is meaning when he says judge. When you look up any word in the dictionary, there's, there's a range of meaning. It can mean this all the way to that. That is why words are hard. So when we look at this and we look at the word judge, we would say judge could mean everything from evaluate all the way over to condemn. So in this sentence, is, is Jesus saying that we should never evaluate anyone or anything? I don't think so. It seems like we're called to evaluate a lot of things, right, wrong, good, and bad. We're called to discern. So I don't think Jesus is saying evaluate, that never evaluate, but I do think he's saying never condemn. Judging in, in the form of condemnation is basically saying you are dead to me. Not literally, but relationally. I am condemning you to death. And I think it's important to see that within this context, what Jesus is talking about is relationship. He's saying, because of my kingdom coming, now this new way of life for my followers, don't judge. Don't judge others or you're going to be judged in that same way. Is that what you want? But I think even if you drill down another layer deeper, what Jesus is getting to, and it's the thread that he's been kind of weaving through this whole sermon, it's this. It's the motivation of our heart. Why are you bringing that judgment? What are you looking to contribute to the conversation or to that person? I love what Jesus says in John 10. It says that the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So there will come times when you bring a judgment towards someone, when you evaluate their actions. But I think we need to be brought to this place of what is our motivation for this? Is it to bring them down? Is it to make them feel small and us feel big? Or is it to bring them a rich and satisfying love, a rich and satisfying life. That, hey, hey I, I, the way you're going, the way this is going, I, I've been there, I've seen that. Can I speak into you because I love you? And I think there's a world where that kind of judgment can exist and should exist. We have to check our heart. Now, I love what Jesus does next. In true Jesus fashion, he kind of lays out a teaching, and then now he's going to use an illustration to, to bring it to life. All right, so keep reading. Take a look at this. He says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's life, in your friend's eye, when you have a log in your own? 
How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Jesus is using really strong language here. He's, he's being comical. This is first, this first century stand-up right here is what we're stepping into. But I want you to picture what, what Jesus is talking about here. It's this idea that someone has a problem. They have something in their eye. And then there's somebody that's like, hey, I can help. I got you. I'll be right there. And then they turn around and they have a log sticking out of their eye. Even if you had a little thing in your eye, you'd be like, no, 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 no. I'm okay. I'll wait for somebody else. And then you'd be like, no, 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 it's fine. I have this eye. This, I can mostly see out of this one. It's, it's like, no, no, no. Let me help you. And then we can worry about me. But what Jesus is saying is that when we step onto the scene and we try to speak these judgments on people's lives, and we haven't done the work of even identifying and, and saying that we have logs in our own eyes, we are hypocrites. We are hypocrites. He says, first, no, no, first deal with the log in your own, in your own eye, then you can deal with the specks in others. Now, thankfully, I, I've never had to have something removed from my eye. But a few weeks ago, I was having this pain on, on the bottom of my foot. It wasn't horrible, you know, uh, just kind of would bother me every once in a while. But yeah, I'm a tough guy, as you can tell. Um, so I was like, it's fine. But then I, was I wasn't as tough, you know, and it was really bothering me. So I asked my wife, I said, hey, can you look at the bottom of my foot? I, something's going on. And she looked at it pretty quickly and she said, hey, yeah, you have a splinter in the bottom of your foot. And then she said, do you want me to try to get it out? And I said, no, <laughs> I don't want you to do that. And here's what I said. I think it'll probably push itself out. What a thought. Fast forward a few days, it did not push itself out. It got worse and worse. So finally I gave in and I said, okay, you can carve me up. Let's get this thing out of here. And I just want to say, this is love, okay? <laughs> Someone willing to pull a piece of wood out of your big dumb foot. And before you judge my feet, I know I have toes that look like fingers. Um, but think, this thing brought so much pain, but look, look at how big it was. The tiniest of things. And I know you're gonna say that's, that's a picture of how men treat any kind of sickness or hurt but it really hurt. But I also went, what would it take to allow someone to do that to you? And not just with your foot, but with your eye. And not just with your eye, when you get what Jesus is talking about here, it's sin internally, like that's inside you. What would you need to let someone do that? Because I, I'm be honest, I wouldn't let you guys come towards me with tweezers for my foot, let alone my eye. Because what don't we have? We need trust. We need trust. If I'm gonna let you come at me with sharp things, if I'm gonna place myself in a vulnerable position, then I need to know that you have my back. I need to know that you're not just down there jabbing that thing into my foot, trying to make me hurt a little bit more. I need to know the motivation of your heart. I need to know that you have my back. 
So that's the question of like, how do we become those kind of people? The people that are trusted, the people that uh, other people can be vulnerable around and can say, hey, I got this pain. I got this thing in my eye, in my foot. Well, Jesus tells us right there in the beginning, he says, first, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will be able to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. That's the idea. That before I, I speak into someone else's life, before I go down that road, I need to make sure that I'm actually doing some work on myself, that I'm looking at myself, that I'm realizing that I do have a log. I've had a log. I've seen what God can do. I've seen him pull this out of me. And then now that brings me to a place where I can begin to have a conversation with others. Because what it does is it brings grace into the conversation. I'm not pretending. I know about specs. I know about logs. So if we could sum it up this way, to judge others rightly, we must see others clearly, right? And then to see others clearly, we must judge others rightly. That's the idea here. That's the difference between followers of Jesus and a hypocrite. I hear that sometimes of like followers of Jesus are just hypocrites. No, I'm not pretending this doesn't exist. I'm fully aware of the sin that I have. But I think what a lot of times stops us from speaking truth into other people's lives, that, that stops us from speaking up is because of the question that comes along when we try to. Because maybe you've experienced this. You tried to lovingly say something to someone because you saw something in your life and you wanted something more for them. And then they hit you back with this question. Who are you to judge me? Who are you to judge me? And a lot of times we lock up. We're like, you're right. I don't even know what I was thinking. You're right. I don't have a, a leg to stand on. See, I think that's the problem on both extremes that the way that they landed was, I don't have an answer to that. So relativism says that, okay, you're right. I can't speak on it because there's no, there's no truth. So what could I say at all? And then the problem with legalism is the people, and they meant well, they thought there was no way I could hold someone else to a high standard like the one Jesus calls us to, unless I pretend like I'm perfect. Because how could I ask you to do anything that I'm not doing myself? but I think there's a better way. I think that's what Jesus is offering here. That when we come into those conversations and we speak truth into someone's life to bring them a deep and rich and satisfying life to form them into the name of Jesus, we don't pretend. We bring the log out front. Who am I? I'm a sinner. The worst I know. But it's probably the most incredible thing we could offer to someone else because we're not pretending that we're better. We're having common ground now. And to say, Hey, the only reason I would ever dream of speaking about a speck that I see, and it's just a speck is because I, I know how to, I've seen what God does with logs. And the reason I'm saying this is not out of condemnation is not to tear you down. It's because I've experienced the love of Jesus and I've seen what he can do with logs and specks. And I know that that thing that you're trying to find that deep and satisfying life in, you won't find it there, but it's only in Jesus. Do you mind if I share about that? 
See, that's a very different conversation that we can step into. That's a very different kind of judgment that the world has ever experienced. The log is not your identity, but let it humble you and let it bring grace into the conversation. I think there's another idea here that's kind of implied through this teaching that we're, we're pulling logs out of our eyes, but it's also this idea that we need other people. Like after we get the log out, it says that we're supposed to go and to help other people get the specks out of their eyes. We need other people. But here's the hard part. We have to put ourselves in spots where we can be seen by other people. No one is just going to slip up and stumble in and pull a speck out of your eye or foot. You know, I love playing hide and seek with my kids. I take that. My kids love playing hide and seek with me. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, when I play hide and seek with them. I, I'm not bragging, but I am way better at hiding than they are at finding. So when I go to hide, I can't make it too hard. I have to leave a toe poking out. I have to leave a foot hanging out from the couch. Because if I didn't, I wouldn't be here today. I would still be hiding in a closet somewhere. <laughs> and you know, I'm all for accountability. But here's the truth. You can only be held accountable to what you share. You can only be held accountable to what you share. Why? Because we are better at hiding than others are at finding. We have to willingly put ourselves in vulnerable positions to invite people in. We're not just inviting ourselves to judge. We're not looking at ourselves, but we're also inviting other people in to say, hey, can you look at my life and can you bring some truth to me and encourage me? And I'm gonna do my part and I'm gonna put myself in a place where I can be seen. So I wanna ask you this question. Do you have someone you share everything with? Everything with. Not someone that goes looking for everything. Do you have someone that you can share with on a consistent basis the sin in your life? The things that are going around and you know that you can trust it with them and they're not gonna, it's not, they're not gonna condemn you. They're not gonna make you feel small, but they are gonna speak truth into your life. And they're gonna encourage you and stir you up to look more and more like Jesus. Do you have that person? I just wanna say this too, like Facebook is not your person. <laughs> it's good for a lot of things. Accountability and being, <laughs> that's not it, okay? So who is that person in your life that you can go to, that you can share things with? to get it out so that God can begin to do a healing work within you. All right. He's kind of broken this up into three kind of stages here. He, he talked about it. He gave an illustration to it. And now he's going to continue. But I'm telling you, when you read these next verses, you might have a thought of like, I think we skipped a page. I don't know if this is connected. Like, have you ever been reading a book and you flip the page and immediately you know the pages got stuck together because there's too much missing. Or maybe you're not readers, uh, like when you're watching Netflix and it goes, you're watching one episode, but somehow it skipped to the next one. You're like, oh, wait a minute, I need to go back. 
Like that's what it's gonna feel like here when we read these next few verses. But I'm telling you, Jesus is the goat. His teachings keep going and going. And the way he threads this is beautiful, but it's gonna take you back for a second, all right? But let's read it and then we'll break it down. He says, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. If you're like me, I read this and I was like, did Jesus just call people pigs? Can Jesus call people pigs? Is that okay? This is one of those hard teachings of Jesus. But I think if we really study it and we define one term, I think it'll bring this whole statement, this little parable to life. And the word that we need to define, which will shed light on the rest of it, is pearls. What does Jesus mean when he says pearls? He gives us a little bit of a hint there in chapter seven. He says, it's holy. So there's one descriptive, but we actually have to go to a different chapter because Jesus talks about pearls twice in the book of Matthew, once in chapter seven. And then again in verse 13, where he tells us exactly what pearls are. Take a look at this. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. And when he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. So Jesus is saying here that, that the, the pearl, it's the kingdom of heaven. And I don't even think you could probably see this. It's just this tiny little pearl. It's not real, so don't try to like mess me up after. Um, <laughs> But Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, what we've been talking about in this whole series is just God's way of doing things. Any space where Jesus is seen as king, where his ways are the ways we look to, where he's not only savior, but Lord. This is the kingdom Jesus came to usher in. And the way he describes it would be like a merchant who's looking for choice pearls and then he finds one. And when he finds it, he loses his mind. And he knows right away to have this, to possess this pearl, it means everything. So he goes back and he sells everything that he owns so that he can possess this pearl. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like for someone who sees Jesus for who he is. But what is the pearl like to someone that doesn't? What does the pearl look like to someone that doesn't see the goodness of God? that doesn't understand the kingdom he's trying to establish. Well, for those that don't see, it won't be like a man selling everything he owns to, to, to own it. It would be like throwing pearls to a pig. What use does a pig have for pearls? None. What does a pig want? A pig wants to satisfy its appetite. It wants to eat and eat and eat some more. That's a one-track mind. That is all that it wants. And think about this. What would happen if you threw a pearl to a pig? Well, what would happen if you mixed some pearls into the pig's food and then fed it to him? Well, he might kind of sift through it and spit out the pearls. They're useless to him. Or if he's really hungry, if he really wants to, to fill that appetite, he's gonna start eating real quick and then he's gonna munch on one of these bad boys. 
and it's going to crack his tooth. And then what is he going to do? He's going to look at you, get angry, and attack you. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And just a moment of vulnerability. When I was writing this sermon this week, I wrote that line that what would happen if you fed a pearl to a pig and it broke its tooth. And I sat back and I looked at the screen and I really wondered, I couldn't figure it out. Do pigs have teeth? <laughs> this is my world. I'm, I'm bringing you into it. Because right now you're sitting there, you're going back and forth. Like, I'm pretty sure, maybe. But are you sure enough to stand in front of thousands of people and say it? Probably not. So what do you do? You Google it and you find stuff like this. <laughs> I don't think they really look like that. I'm not a farmer. Um, but to sum up what Jesus has been teaching, he says, we can't condemn people into following him. We can't coerce people into following him. We can only love people and let God do the rest. I love the way Dr. Charles Stanley says it. He says, obey God and leave the consequences to him. I'm telling you, I've been in ministry now for 12 years, which is wild when, when I look back on it. But the thing that I've found in working in ministry for more than a decade is that I have no idea how ministry happens or when it happens or why it works. In this sense, when people come to believe Jesus, when they come to see Jesus and the kingdom for the pearl that it is, it never goes the way I think it will. I worked in youth, so student ministry, like middle school and high school students for years. And I'm telling you, there would be students who had been in church since birth. They'd heard all the sermons, knew all the stories, did not believe in Jesus. They had never seen the kingdom of God for what it was. They'd come back the week in and week out. But then there would be a student who would come for the first time. One time they would come in, the gospel would be preached and their eyes would be open and they would see Jesus for who he was. They would get baptized and get, they would be completely new. And it was wild. It was like, how does that happen? And then the person that had been there all along, they do finally come to believe in Jesus, but it's never at the time we thought it would be. It's not at the conference. It's not at the night of the good sermon or the amazing worship set. It's in this unsuspecting, ordinary moment where things were just going as normal, but then in a moment, everything changed. Their eyes were opened and they saw Jesus. Here's what happened. And this is what happens every single Sunday. The gospel goes from useless to priceless. The gospel goes from useless to priceless. And what I've learned is there's nothing we can do to microwave that. We can do that. We try, we try to create environments where it can happen. But at the end of the day, when we are bringing the kingdom of God to people, when we are living in that tension of truth and grace, here's the truth. We must move at their pace. To you, this is priceless. To them, 
it is useless. So it is not going to be a matter if we would just try harder or push a little bit more. You see, I think this, this, this happens a lot of times and it's done for the right reasons, but for the wrong motives. We get into this spot where we see people that we really love and we know Jesus and we know their lives would be so much better if they just knew him. And we start off pretty, you know, pretty cool, pretty gentle, but then they're not getting it. So we want it for them so bad that we try harder and harder and we start pushing more and more saying, this is the standard that worked for me. I know if you just do it just like this, then you will come to know. But then we get angrier and angrier. What I want to say is like, don't grow weary of doing good and turn to condemnation or coercion. Like it reminds me of like almost trying to give medicine to kids. You ever been in that spot? Kids hate medicine. I haven't found one that they do like. So you start off pretty small, like oh, it's a choo-choo train. It's an airplane. We're going to get it in there. No, they want no parts of it. So then you start like literally chasing them around with it. Like, just come here just for a second. I promise it's good. It's kind of like candy and you're running after them. And then finally you get so frustrated. You want it for them so bad. They just, if you just had it, you would feel better that you're just like throwing it. You're just throwing it at them, hoping a little bit will land. That's better than nothing, right? And we begin to throw this medicine at them. I think sometimes we do that with the gospel. And here's what I want to say. Don't turn pearls into bullets. Don't turn pearls into bullets. Here's what I mean. Don't weaponize the gospel. The gospel, the kingdom, it is like a choice pearl that is lavished around someone's neck. It is not a bullet that you shoot off from a distance. It is a pearl that, is a, that signifies royalty. You are being crowned with this. This should make you feel beautiful, not to make you feel, not to make you bleed. To make you feel like royalty, not to make you feel like a criminal. But I get it. And I just want us to say, like, as a church, when we're in that spot where we just want it for him so badly, please hear me. It is not that we do nothing. We unapologetically share the truth of who Jesus is. We speak truth wrapped in grace over and over and over again. But we have to move at their speed. And if you want to do more, I, I want you to do more too. I want to do more. But instead of pushing harder, here's a few things that we can all do this week. If you want to do more, pray more. You know, I used to feel bad about using this as a sermon point, 90% of my sermons. But then when we're in master class and in this set of teachings, Jesus talks about prayer so much over and over again. He goes back to it. It's, it's so important. But I know I talk to a lot of people sometimes and they ask for what they should do, some advice. I'd be like, yeah, I'd pray. And they're like, no, no, yeah, that, but like, what's a real thing that I can do? I'm like, that's the most real thing that you can do. Because when we're approaching someone with truth and grace, usually what we try to do is, is take our standard to them. We, we bring what works for us to them. But if we're going to work at their speed, 
That's something supernaturally that's gonna have to be given to us. So when we go to prayer, God exposes that. He shows us what they need in that moment, something that we couldn't come to by ourselves. God warms our hearts to be able to see them differently. God gives us the endurance to be able to go slow and steady and not to try to microwave the process. And we get to hear from God and his heart begins to shape our actions. So if you wanna do more, pray more. And then the second one is work on the logs and specks in your own eye. And I'm gonna say this, and I know it's not always true, but sometimes it is. A lot of times the things that we see in other people, the specks that we pull out, that we want to pull out, are the same specks that we struggle with. And maybe we've given up on being able to overcome it ourselves, but we're thinking, no, at least it's not gonna happen to you. So I'm gonna push harder for you because I don't want the same thing that happened to me to happen to you. But can I just speak to everyone here today that no matter how long you've had that splinter, no, long, no matter how long that speck has been there, God is not done with it. If you are still breathing, God is not done. And in a moment, in the miraculous, God can remove that. Do not say that you are down and out. God is still in the business of doing miracles. That if you wanna do something, work on the specks and logs in your own life to allow God to transform you, to remove those logs. Talk about the goodness of God, not just the problems that you see in the world and people. Talk about the pearls that have been lavished around you. Shine like pearls. Talk about what Jesus has done. That'll be the opening that you need. That'll be what brings people in to have the conversation. If you wanna do more, pray more. If you wanna do more, work on the specks and logs in your own eye. And I'm telling you, what Jesus does in this third act here of these pigs and these pearls, I'm telling you when, you, when you begin to just dig at it layer after layer, you come to the genius of Jesus and you're like, he has to be God. I mean, think about this when you see all of what he's doing here. I mean, think about that last line. He says, don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. When you realize what Jesus is talking about here, Jesus was the choice pearl. Jesus was sent from heaven. And it was like throwing a pearl in front of pigs. All that the leaders at the time wanted was to feed their appetite. They just wanted more of what they already knew. And when they realized they couldn't digest what Jesus was offering, they turned and attacked him. After they chipped their tooth on one or two of his teachings, they said, this is enough. And our God was thrown like a pearl in front of pigs. And they arrested him. They beat him half to death. And they took him to a cross. How did the son of God end up on a cross to be crucified? It's the logs in their eyes. The logs in their eyes put Jesus on the logs of the cross. And as he was hanging there, he quoted Psalm 22. Do you remember this? He said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Do you know what else Psalm 22 says? 
says, my enemies surround me like a herd of bulls, like lions with their jaws open. What does that sound like? Like pigs turning to attack. But Jesus went to that cross and he died there. But here's the important thing. Our God did not remain dead. Three days later, he rose defeating sin and death once and for all and for all people. Here's why that matters. There will come a judgment that matters. And it's not the judgment we hurl at one another. We are not in a place to condemn someone. We do not know the motivations of the heart. That's not for us to decide. But the Bible does speak of a judgment day that will come where all of us will stand in front of God. And in that moment, we will be judged. And we have two options. We can either be judged by our own actions, by the, the standards we held ourselves to and the, and the standards we held others to, or by faith, we are seen as Jesus is seen, the perfect standard. That's why in the book of Romans, it says there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That by faith, when this day comes, God is not going to see all of the logs in our eyes. He's just seeing the two, the cross. And in that moment, Jesus paid every bit of the sin penalty we owed. Every crime against God that we ever commit, it has been taken care of and paid for by Jesus Christ. And what we wanna offer you today is just an opportunity to place your faith in a good God, to place your faith in a God that would leave heaven, live a perfect life, die for you, and on that side of eternity, give you the inheritance, give you the right standing. What we have to do is believe that Jesus is who he said he is. And what I want us to do right now is just go into a time of prayer. And what we pray for today is that today would be the day. It's nothing special about today, nothing special, but it's in the ordinary moments where the gospel is preached, where lives are changed, where this whole setup, everything goes from just going through the motions. It goes from useless to priceless. We're gonna pray that the pearl, the choice pearl could be seen. Would you pray with us? God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for this teaching. God, I pray that we wouldn't grow weary of doing good. God, I pray that we would have the supernatural endurance to walk with people, not at our speed, but at theirs not to demand perfection, but to speak truth in love. God, help us to manage that tension, that art of love really well, like you did. Help us to model that here. And God, we pray today that today would be one of those days where one of your kids 
went from seeing this whole thing as useless to priceless, to not this idea of how can I get something that's a little bit better, but to get something completely new, to move from death to life. God, we believe only your gospel can do that. So God, I pray that we could live in that tension. That would be the more that we do, Jesus. It's in your perfect name we pray, amen.